0: our extraordinarily loving God rejoices over every sinner who repents. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. You know, the church has a lost and found bin. It's a plastic tub. It's very fancy. You know, we do things first rate around here. So it's a little plastic tub that says lost and found on it. And we keep it there in the office. And so sometimes things get left behind here. It's mostly clothing items, an occasional piece of jewelry, a book, or something like that. And so if you're ever missing something, you might think you might have left it here, you can check in the office in the lost and found tub there. But, you know, some things that are lost are more valuable than those things, though, like a piece of clothing or that book or jewelry. Uh, There is an app that I have, I know probably many of us have, called the Nextdoor app. Have any of you seen that? Where it's a connection with other neighborhoods in the area and that. And oftentimes you'll see on there uh, a request for someone to be on the lookout for a, a lost pet, a dog, or a cat. You know, and I can still vividly remember the pain I felt as a young boy when our family dog disappeared. You know, in that case, sadly, we never did find him then. But sometimes missing pets are found. And isn't there such great joy when that pet is found? Not only for the owner but then also for many others who were following that story, who love animals and the desire to see their safe return to their homes. You know, I was pleased to see a post just yesterday on the app there from a user who was rejoicing over having found her lost dog, Dixie. And she posted Dixie's picture there, and she wrote a big thank you to everyone who kept their eyes open and on the lookout for Dixie. I found her dirty and soaking wet, but waiting for me at the garden plots, and how joyful she was then to see her beloved dog who was lost, who but had now been found. And there were many others then that were chiming in on that, saying how happy they were for her as well. But you know, as much as we love our pets, and we sure do, don't we? There is something even more valuable yet, though, than even a lost pet. And what is that? People. People, right? Recently, there was a news story about a nine-year-old girl from South Elgin who went missing about six years ago, but she had been found in North Carolina. And I can only imagine the joy of that family that they experienced then. But there is a greater joy even yet than that, and that is the joy of when those who are spiritually lost Are found. Because we're told then that God rejoices. In fact, all heaven rejoices when one who is spiritually lost has been found. So we are continuing in our series on the life of of Christ, unique the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a harmony of the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we are following the order of these events as suggested in this book, One Perfect Life by John MacArthur. Today, then, we are looking in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 32, on the theme of being lost and found. And what's the big idea? What is the main idea that I want us to take away from our message here today? Well, it is this, that our extraordinarily loving God rejoices over every sinner who repents. Our extraordinarily loving God rejoices over every sinner who repents and should we too yes yes we should so before we look at our text in luke chapter 15 then a little context here jesus has been ministering in the vicinity of jerusalem and the jewish people were eagle eager for the arrival of their messiah they looked to his coming in order to set them free from the oppression of Rome, to restore the kingdom of Israel, to bring the, the nation to great prominence and power and glory. This is what they had in mind. But of course, Jesus had another agenda. Jesus was drawing large crowds, and people were amazed by his miracles. But he would sometimes say things that were very surprising or difficult to accept. And one of those things that surprised many folks, especially the religious leaders of the day then, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, he spoke of how there would be many Gentiles who would enter the kingdom, notorious sinners, as they thought, and even Gentiles entering the kingdom. How could this possibly be? But in our text then today, we see Jesus teaching how vitally concerned God is with the repentance of sinners, the repentance of sinners everywhere. Yes, God loves and desires to save even notorious sinners like tax collectors. Tax collectors, they were the worst of the worst, so the people in Jesus' day thought. They were the worst kind of sinners, But yes, God loves even them and desires to save even such as them. So what do you think about that? You think, are there any sinners out there who you think are so bad that God doesn't care about them, that God doesn't love them, that God doesn't desire to save them? No, the reality is there is no sinner who is so bad or so lost that God does not love and whose power cannot save. Is anyone too far gone for God to save them? No, they're not. What is the only thing that keeps someone from being saved is what? Rejection, right? A lack of faith in Christ. So let's look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, starting in verses 1 through 7. This is the first of three parables that Jesus tells that emphasize the joy that there is to be found when the lost are found. Here Jesus says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, Much to the disgust of the spiritual leaders of the day, the religious rulers, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were disgusted by some people, those people, that Jesus would dare to associate with them. He not only would be near them, he says he receives them and he even eats with them. See, in that culture, to sit down and to share a meal with someone, that indicated an acceptance of that person. You didn't just go and sit down and share a meal with anyone. And here's Jesus. He's, the, he's claiming to be the Messiah. And yet here he is, welcoming the lowest of the low, entertaining him, sitting down to eat with them. Remember, in their, in their culture, the tax collector, well, that, that was pretty bad, right? The sinner, who are these? Prostitutes, others like that. How dare would Jesus do such a thing as that? So Jesus knows this opposition that there is for him. And he tells these three parables. All of them speak of something that is lost being found, rejoicing when the lost is found. How could such people as tax collectors and sinners be welcomed into the kingdom, they thought. How awful. God accepts even notorious sinners into the kingdom. Well, how about you? What do you think about that? Are you concerned about all manner of sinful people? Are there people you won't associate with? Are you concerned perhaps about those whose political opinions are different than your own? Well, we've become a very divided nation, haven't we? Hateful and angry. Do you care about those who hate you? And maybe they even accuse you of hate because you lovingly uphold the truth of God's Word? Do you care about them? So, in this story, we see that the shepherd leaves the 99 in the field to go in earnest search for the lost, for the lost sheep. He searched earnestly until he found it. He took it up and put it on his shoulders, carrying it back. And he rejoices. And when he gets back, he calls all of his friends. and they, he, It isn't just he who is happy about it, but he wants others to share in the joy. So does God rejoice when a sinner repents? Absolutely. But who else does? All of heaven. All of heaven rejoices. And so this parable of the lost sheep here is teaching us that there is great rejoicing when a sinner repents. But some wonder, well, what what about the other 99? You know, the the shepherd, was that irresponsible of the shepherd to leave the 99 and go in search of this one? Well, Jesus was not saying that the other 99 sheep were not important. There's a couple of different views here. Some see the 99 are, are people who are already saved and secure, or possibly and perhaps more likely the the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent might possibly be a reference to those persons who think they're righteous and think they have no need to repent like the pharisees but whatever the view on that is what is the what is the point of the parable the point is the great joy that there is when one who was lost is found and the seeking heart of that shepherd to go out and to find that one. Jesus tells another parable then, verses 8 through 10. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. And just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So here we see the lost coin. Once again, this parable is teaching that there is great joy in the presence of the angels When a sinner repents. This is the same message as that first parable, but it is emphasizing here the thoroughness of the search. Listen to that. Look at that again about how diligently she was looking all throughout the house, sweeping and looking everywhere, trying to find that one lost coin. She continued throughout the entire house until she finally found that one coin. Why? Because it was of such great value to her. Remember, um, some years ago, I was with some friends. We were uh, visiting in Florida, and we happened to have access to a convertible. And by the way, it was a convertible of someone in the church here who had a, a home down there in Florida, and they had a convertible he made that home available to us, and I was able to enjoy it. And yes, that was the, that was the fateful day that I decided, you know what, I'm going to get a convertible. And it wasn't that long after it that I, that I did. But I had picked up these other friends from, who were visiting as well from the airport, and, uh, and we were driving to the home where we were going to stay. And, uh, and the one friend had gotten some money out the wallet and was going through. This was back in the days. Remember when we had this paper money that, we use, that was before you had everything that was electronic and and card, debit cards and all that. And you actually had like paper money. Remember those days? So anyway, so here he is. He had all this paper, these $100 bills. And he's sitting in the back of the convertible. How many of you know what happens sometimes to wind currents in there? So here he is. So he's, kinda, he's pulling his out and, kinda, and counting this, figuring out, he's seeing if he has what he needs here. And all of a sudden, what happens? whoosh, there it goes, it goes flying out. Now, do you think that we just said, "Well, oh, oh, well, so much, that's life, right, and kept driving? No, what happened? Slammed on the brakes and pulled over and immediately, what, we're out searching for this money that was flying around out in the field next to the road, right? And we kept searching. Now, I, I think we found them all, But you know, but do you think we were gonna give up real quickly on that? No, we searched diligently until we got all of those back, right? Because it's valuable. It's important, meaningful then. So here's this woman, wasn't a convertible and wind, but something happened that she lost one of these valuable coins and she wasn't gonna stop until she found it. So what's Jesus' point here? Yes, he associated with sinners. Why? because they were extremely valuable to God. And he would search thoroughly for them. But then Jesus tells another parable. But this isn't about a sheep. And it's not about a coin. It's about a lost son. But an older brother as well. It is explaining that God is inviting all people to enter the kingdom. Told in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And a long way off, he felt compassion and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, Now his older son was in the field, and he came and draw near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother is come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in, and his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Here we see then the lost son. This man had two sons, and we see a great contrast then between these two sons and their attitude. This first section of the parable describes the actions of the younger son, This was an unusual thing he did when he made a request to give him his share of the estate. Now normally, when would one receive a share of the estate? Upon death, right? But he's saying, no, no, I want it now. Some have suggested, it's almost like he was saying, this son was saying to his father, you're dead to me. I want my share. I've got plans, things I want to do. I don't want to be here with you. So the father acquiesces nevertheless to the son's demand, gives him his share of the inheritance. And he took that wealth, he went it away, and he he went away and he squandered it in wild living. The hearers immediately, though, began to understand the point of the story. You see, Jesus had been criticized for associating with sinners the sinners were considered people who were far away from God, squandering their lives in riotous living. But in contrast with the younger son, the older son continued to remain with the father and did not engage in such practices as that. But then a famine occurs in this far country. The young man runs out of money, he has to work for a foreigner. Feeding pigs. Now this is something that was detestable to a Jew. But this is what he's been brought to. in his hunger, he longs for the pig food even, the pods. He could not have gotten any lower at this point. So he comes to his senses and says, You know, my father's servants have it much better than this. I know I can't be a son to him anymore because of what I've done. But at least maybe maybe he can take me on as a servant. So he was expecting to be hired as a servant, not to be taken back as a son. But then we see the father's response. Isn't it interesting when did the father see this son coming back? when the son was still a long way off, what does that imply? The father was looking for him. The father was waiting, was looking for him. He'd been waiting for his son to return and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. And did the father wait for that son to get to him? No, what did the father do? He, he ran. The father ran to meet him. What did he say? Well, I see you're finally back now. How was that? How'd that work out for you, huh? Is that what he did? He welcomed him with open arms. He hugged him and he kissed him. The son was all ready with his speech, with what he was going to say, but he didn't even get a chance to say it, did he? Instead, the father had his servants prepare a banquet to celebrate the son's return. He even gave the son a new position. Hugs, kisses, but then a banquet and what else? A robe, a ring, a sandals. These are what? These are honor. These are gracious gifts, aren't they? And it's not a coincidence that Jesus once again uses this motif of a banquet. Because he had previously spoken of a banquet to symbolize coming of the kingdom and so jesus hearers would have easily recognized the significance of this beast sinners whom this young son symbolized they were entering into the kingdom because they too were coming to god they believed they needed to return to him and be forgiven by him so this one who was lost is warmly received with love and grace but then the final section of the of the parable describes the attitude of the older brother, and who did that older brother represent it was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. See, they had the same attitude toward the sinners as the older son had toward the younger son. The older brother he was out working in the field, and he hears what has happened. And is he rejoicing that his brother who was lost is found? No, what does he do? He's he's angry. How dare you welcome such a one as that? So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were angry with the message that Jesus was proclaiming. They didn't like the idea that people, notorious sinners, and even people from outside their nation, Gentiles, outcasts, sinners, there to be a part of the blessing of God, of the kingdom? And so like the older son who refused to go to the feast, the Pharisees refused to enter the kingdom that Jesus was offering. Interestingly, the father, he went out and pleaded with the older brother to go to the feast, but he wouldn't. See, Jesus ate with Pharisees as well as with so-called sinners, didn't he? He did not desire to exclude the Pharisees and the teachers of the law from the kingdom. The message was an invitation to them as well, was to everyone. But the older brother was angry because well, he had never been honored with a feast, even though he says, what? All these years I've been slaving for you, working for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. What does that sound like? Someone who thought that he had been working so hard for God who deserves so much. He didn't do anything for me. Reveals a pretty poor attitude there, doesn't it? So those words betrayed the fact that the older brother thought that he had a relationship with his father that was based on what? His work. His works, his efforts. He didn't serve the father out of love, but out of a desire for Reward. By the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting reward. Jesus encourages us to want reward, to work for reward, but that shouldn't be, what should our motivation be? Out of our love for God, right. So he even thought of himself as being in bondage to his father. But the father points out that the older son had the joy of being in the house all the time, that he should rejoice with his in, the, in his brother's return. When he says, you are always with me, everything I have is yours suggests the, the privilege that they had as members of God's chosen people, that they were the recipients and the guardians of the covenants and the law. But rather than, rather than rejoicing at one who was lost, being found, they were angry. And they would be Excluded. that's a story about a lost son. I want to talk for a little bit about another son. The son who seeks and the son who saves. A few chapters later in Luke chapter 19, we're told this. He, referring to Jesus, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Whoa. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, who's the they? Yes. They all rejoiced. No, they all grumbled he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner clearly they have learned the lessons of the parables so well haven't they no and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord behold Lord the half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have defrauded anyone of anything I restore it fourfold you know what we call that call that the fruit of repentance, don't we? And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus is the Son who comes to seek the lost sons and daughters. He seeks them out, and then what does he do? He saves them. How does God save people? Through repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. So we see a son who seeks and saves, but we also see a father here. This is our heavenly father. The father seeks. The father loves, and the father Welcomes graciously. I love in that story of the lost son how the father, again, he wasn't sitting at home waiting for the son to may or may or may not come. What was he was out. He was looking. He sees him from far off. He was looking for him. And when he sees him, again, he didn't wait. He ran. I think there was a song some years ago called "When God Ran." that was about this when God ran why because he's motivated by love an extraordinary love an extraordinary love that goes beyond our capacity even to really understand isn't it and when he got him when he got to the sun did he did he read him the right act did he set him straight tell him how wrong he had been no what did he do graciously received him That lost son already knew what he had done, hadn't he? Father didn't need to tell him. He knew. But he receives him graciously. And what is grace? Mercy is what? Mercy is when we don't receive the punishment we're due, it's withheld. Punishment is being withheld. What is grace? It's receiving the good we don't deserve. Mercy, we don't get what we do deserve. Grace, we get what we don't deserve. This favor and blessing. The Father seeks, the Father loves, and the Father welcomes graciously. So what? What are we to do with this? Well, I would remind us that our extraordinarily loving God rejoices over every sinner who repents. So I ask three questions here. First one is this. Have you been found? Are you one of the lost, out wandering? Are you like that lost son who has gone out and maybe realizing you've come to a place but I can't live this way anymore. I don't want to be like this. You have a God who loves you And he calls us what to repent, to change our mind, to change our minds about our thinking, our way of living, to turn from sin, and to turn toward him, and to put our faith in him, to trust him, specifically in the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of Man, who lived a life of perfect obedience. That He, God requires perfection, righteousness. None of us can live up to that. But Jesus did it for us. So He perfectly obeyed the law of God. He fulfilled all of God's requirements for us. And then He went to the cross where. He didn't just physically suffer and die. He, what, took on the punishment for our sin. He died. He was buried. But he rose again in victory over sin and death. Scripture tells us then, when we repent, turn away from sin, and turn toward God, put our faith in Jesus, who obeyed the law of God, who took the punishment for our sin, and then rose in triumph over that. That God will put us in Christ together with him. He sees us in Jesus. He sees the perfect Jesus in you when we're joined with him. Have you been found? I know that many of us here have been found. And I wonder as we read those stories there and we read about the great joy of the Father and the joy of heaven over every sinner who repents? Do you too desire earnestly to seek the lost and to rejoice when they're found? Will you join the Son in seeking the lost? How do we seek the lost? Well, By living out our faith in Christ, by sharing the good news, the gospel message with others, praying for others, being ready to answer questions people might have. And I would say, what, searching earnestly, not giving up, not giving up on people, but continuing to pray for them. Always being ready to answer their questions and to witness to the truth of the love of God for them in Christ, and when they're found, will you will you join the Father in graciously welcoming the found? What was the attitude of the Father toward the lost? It wasn't well, I'm glad you finally straightened out now, now, get back to work, right? No, he graciously received him and honored him, and so the Father graciously receives repentant sinners brings them into the fold of the church. Not to stretch the point here too much, but you know what, folks? Sometimes we're not so gracious with one another in the church, are we? You think we should share the gracious attitude of the Father with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Absolutely. Join with the Father in rejoicing and graciously welcoming those who had been lost but are now found. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you don't give up, that you seek the lost, that you save the lost. And I pray, Father, that you would give us great hearts of compassion and concern, especially then, Lord, for those who perhaps we might find it difficult. To love. Maybe they have offended us in some way. They've made us angry in some way. But Lord, your love is for all. May we love them, Lord, with that love that seeks and is eager to welcome them into the fold to extend grace to them. Thank you, Father, that we have hope in Jesus Christ, Christ who perfectly fulfilled your law, who took the punishment for our sins on himself, died and rose triumphantly over sin and death, that through faith in him, that we might be joined with him in that victory, that you see us then now in him, perfect in him. We rejoice in our hope, Lord, May we be eager to lovingly and truthfully proclaim that hope to others. May we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonderlake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.